Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Tossing and turning all night like a salad? It's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker, and I thought, if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate, so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. Welcome back to the Silver Powered Podcast. Recently, Wine Spectator shared an article on Instagram about how moderate daily wine drinking helps you not get COVID. Most people see that post and think, great, I knew I was doing something right. I should definitely drink tonight. And very few people actually go read the article. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about science funded by the alcohol industry, how that ends up influencing the results, and how you can know the difference between biased, exaggerated claims and the truth. I'll walk you through a few different studies that support how alcohol is healthy, show you the holes in these studies, and what the truth is. By the end of the episode, you'll be able to spot biased science and you'll learn a bit more about how pervasive the alcohol industry is in scientific research today. So let's dig in. 
Science is supposed to be unbiased, but when a study is funded by the alcohol industry or by a soda company, then they are going to be looking for certain results. This is called confirmation bias. When you look for information that proves your point and disregard information that disproves it. In science, we have to be objective and look at all the information, even if it disproves our original hypothesis. Alcohol companies don't want to fund studies that prove that alcohol is bad or that we should rarely or never drink it. They want to fund studies that end up saying, hey, look, moderate drinking is better for you than not drinking. So here's some justification to keep on trying. I used to read these articles to justify why wine was healthy. And the problem is, basically all of these studies show correlation, not causation. Causation means this thing resulted in this outcome. But correlation means these two things seem to be connected, but they might not be, who knows? Whenever you see a study on the news or something posted on Instagram, I want you to think of it this way. A lot of studies that are shared publicly like that show correlation, not causation. And that means that you can't take it as factual, even if it's what you want to hear. You can't use these studies to justify your drinking. Plus, these studies look at people who drink very little, like one drink or less usually. So ask yourself, are you having one drink a day? So here are some examples of correlation from Google. Study suggests correlation between heart health and optimism. Well, maybe optimism helps your heart to be healthier, but probably not. The truth here might be more like people who live a healthy lifestyle are also more optimistic. And because they live a healthier lifestyle, their heart is healthier. So do you see how that works? So optimism did not cause heart health. Optimism and heart health go together. But the healthy heart is caused by something totally different than optimism. So another one is coffee drinking could lead to a longer life study says. People who drink coffee may also engage in behaviors that make them healthier, like exercising, eating healthier, modest calorie restriction, and people who don't drink coffee might be starting their day with a soda instead. I've seen plenty of people do that. So yeah, it's healthier to drink coffee every single day versus drink soda every single day. So when you see studies, don't take them as fact. Be a bit skeptical. And it's the same thing when you see people make a post on social media and make some bold claim about alcohol. Google it for yourself and see if it's true. Or feel free to ask me and I can help you learn how to Google it for yourself and see if it's true. So a good example of this is when the sober community was saying that we get upset about benzene, which is a carcinogen being in sunscreen, but benzene is also an alcohol and no one cares about that. But benzene actually isn't in alcohol because if it was, we would die. So now that we're a bit more skeptical, let's look at some studies shared by the alcohol industry versus objective studies that show causation. So a new study that Wine Spectator was talking about claimed that drinking one to two glasses of red wine a day resulted in people having a 10 to 17% lower risk of getting COVID compared to non-drinkers. 
A good part of this study, though, is that they found that heavy drinking of any type of alcohol increased the risk, and specifically that frequently drinking beer or cider increases your chances of getting COVID by 28%. The study that they're referencing was published in Frontiers in Nutrition and shows a correlation, and Wine Spectator even says that this link could be from other factors, like those people are also more likely to be vaccinated, exercising more, or having better nutrition. The study suggests that it's the compounds in red wine that make it so healthy. But that is just a suggestion or an attempt to explain the correlation. So I think the most interesting part of this article is at the very end. And I'll link this article in the show notes, by the way, and send it out in my weekly email if you want to read the actual article that I'm referencing. So at the end of the article, they said, the researchers do acknowledge some limitations in their study. The UK Biobank is focused on people ages 49 years and older, and the data on drinking habits was collected before the pandemic. Changes in drinking habits during the pandemic were unrecorded. So I think it's really interesting that they're using data from before COVID even existed to demonstrate that drinking red wine lowers your risk of getting COVID. They don't even know that the people who are drinking moderately back between 2006 and 2010, when this UK biobank data was collected, were still drinking moderately during the pandemic. So when you dig into the actual article, you find out that this data is actually really old. So they collected data on how these people were drinking over a decade ago. And one reason drinking every day reduces your chances of getting COVID is because maybe you were sitting home by yourself drinking every single day and not going out. So of course you're going to be less likely to get COVID. So now let's talk about the reality of alcohol immunity and COVID. So studies have shown that heavy drinking significantly reduces lung immunity and increases the risk of catching things like viral pneumonia. A 2020 study published in Alcohol and Alcoholism looked at a party of 15 people in Thailand. Everybody at the party was in their 20s and 11 people drank alcohol and all had a sip from the same glass. All 11 people developed COVID within a week, and the four people who were at the party all night but did not drink any alcohol didn't get sick, despite being in close proximity to whoever patient zero was that night. It's also thought that heavy drinking at big Mardi Gras events in Louisiana also accelerated the spread of the illness. A 2021 study published in the European Journal of Trauma and Emergency Surgery found that drinking alcohol immediately impacts the function of our white blood cells and diminishes the functioning of our immune system overall. And this study was done on healthy young volunteers who do not struggle with alcohol use disorder, and they found that their immune system functioning was reduced for days after drinking. So I could go on, but this episode isn't about the immune system. So I will leave it at that. So looking for studies that show causation, you can find a ton of papers showing that alcohol reduces immunity. Correlation basically means nothing. So here's another good one. An Australian study followed 18,000 people over the age of 70 for five years. And here's the headline that came out of it. 
Moderate drinking of alcohol is associated with a reduced risk of cardiovascular disease and a lowering of death from all causes when compared to zero alcohol consumption. So drinking 5 to 10 drinks a week apparently not only reduces your risk of heart disease, but reduces all-cause mortality too. I mean, that sounds like a reason to keep trying to moderate your drinking, right? But when you read the positive articles about the study, they say it's unknown how modest alcohol consumption actually reduces the risk of death. And that's because it's a correlation, not a causation. So whenever you see something like that, when they're not sure how modest alcohol consumption does this positive thing, whatever it is, that immediately tells you it's a correlation. So when you dig into the study a bit more, you'll find that they used outdated methods and did not account for the socioeconomic status of the participants. And it's known that having higher socioeconomic status is protective against poor health. They also chose participants who were healthier than the average 70-year-old. In a 2016 review published in the Journal of Studies on Alcohol and Drugs, they explained that when using the same methods as this Australian study did, that once you control for how rich or poor the participants are, the relationship between alcohol and health goes away. The reality is, people who drink moderately are also generally richer, have better jobs, more education, and can afford better lifestyles and better health care. One of the authors of the review criticized the Australian study by saying, basically, saying that moderate drinking causes better health is just as nonsensical as saying that having a Ferrari causes better health. It's not the drinking causing better health. Both health and the tendency to drink moderate amounts are reflective of middle class lifestyles. So this is why correlation is basically meaningless, because it just shows that two things are linked and go together. It doesn't show that one thing causes the other thing. Dr. Amanda Buttery, the Heart Foundation's manager of clinical evidence, said that an observational study, which was what this Australian study was, can't establish a direct cause of alcohol on the heart. She also said that they have reviewed all the best evidence and it clearly shows that alcohol consumption is harmful to our health. So if you're searching for justification for your drinking, then you will come across a bunch of weak articles claiming that drinking is better for you than not drinking. We see headlines posted on social media all the time or headlines that are briefly described on the news. And most people don't look at the actual article. And way less people go look at the study that the article is referencing. So I hope this episode is helping you to be more skeptical of the things you see and how to identify correlation and misinformation because there's a ton of it. The tobacco industry attempted to influence the science too by funding research that supported their claims, suppressing research that did not support their claims, criticizing research that did not support their claims, and by spreading information that supported their claims to the press so it reached the average person. The article that I just talked about from Wine Spectator is a good example of the last one. Do you think that they would publish a bunch of articles showing that alcohol reduces your immunity or even consider including those studies in the same article? Probably not. And those are the articles that get recommended to us. And those are the ones that get shared on social media. 
A 2020 study looked at the involvement of the alcohol industry in scientific studies, and they found 13,500 studies that were directly or indirectly funded by the alcohol industry, and a 56% increase in research funded by the alcohol industry since 2009. By indirectly funded, I mean funded by charities or other organizations that are connected to the alcohol industry, but not like a company that produces alcohol themselves. One of the authors of this study said, Their involvement in health research is particular cause for concern. Many of these studies make claims about the protective cardiovascular effects of alcohol and suggest that substance abuse problems are down to the individual's choices rather than industry behaviors. A very large study on moderate drinking involved 7,000 participants over six years, and the goal was to see whether or not one drink per day would have health benefits compared to zero drinks per day. But paying for a drink a day for six years for all of those participants, as well as testing their health constantly, is very expensive. And the study struggled to get enough funding. They were very graciously given $67 million from five different alcohol brands for the study. And the study was eventually killed because it was a PR nightmare for the NIH and there was a lot of controversy about where the money was coming from. And people may argue that the alcohol industry has to accept whatever the results are. But the question that I'm asking is, who owns the data? Because the owner of the data can decide whether or not it's published. So the study could be done, but then all the information could be killed and hidden away. Alcohol industry funding is invading all sorts of areas of science. In 2015, Harvard accepted $3.3 million from the Foundation for Advancing Alcohol Responsibility to hire professors in psychiatry and behavioral science. In 2005, a professor from Harvard partnered with Anheuser-Busch to promote the health benefits of beer, and Anheuser donated $150,000 in scholarship funds to the school. The problem with all this is that research shows that when an industry sponsors research, it ends up favoring that industry, even when the researchers believe they are being objective and won't allow themselves to be influenced by that industry. So you can argue that the alcohol industry has to accept whatever the outcome of the studies are, but they are clearly turning out in favor of alcohol being healthy with all of these weak correlations and outdated methods. So next time you see an article online or you see someone share something on social media, I want you to look at it and be skeptical. Don't just accept everything as fact because it's published or shared by someone that you admire. Look at it and really think about it. Is this actually true? Maybe I should go read the article. Are they talking about a correlation, which is basically meaningless, or are they talking about a causation? And overall, you can't use any of those studies to justify your drinking. And I'm not demonizing alcohol here. Remember, my husband drinks occasionally and, you know, that's whatever. He can do his thing. So it's not about trying to get everybody to be sober, but it's that if you're struggling with alcohol, don't use studies like this to justify your obsession over keeping it in your life. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate if you would share it with someone or leave the podcast a review. And I'll talk to you next week. 
I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.